If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com slash insider. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and along with me, ESPN's Kevin Seifert. And I got to tell you the truth, Kevin, when the other night with Damar Hamlin happened, I thought of one person who could give the best possible insight about this situation because these types of matters, though we've never seen anything like this, have been your beat for a long time before you return to our little humble media room uh, in uh, at TCO Performance Center. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I, I guess I just want to start this with your prevailing feelings about everything that happened. I mean, even waking up here today on Wednesday, I still felt a little shook by it. We just talked to Patrick Jones and Harrison Phillips, and you could really still see uh, the emotion for those two guys. Patrick Jones played with him in, in Pittsburgh, and uh, Harrison Phillips knew him well in Buffalo. And, you know, Harrison Phillips was talking about how it's just hard to keep your mind on watching your regular Tuesday film. And, you know, I think this is something that has really shaken the entire league, not just people who knew him, but everybody involved, whether it's reporters, fans, or players inside the locker room, coaches, everybody through the NFL. Yeah. um, I have had kind of just a, a pit in my stomach really ever since then. Um, and on my, for me, it was bringing back so many of the details and feelings of when we covered Corey Stringer's passing um, in, you know, 21 years ago, almost. Um, it was, it's not exactly the same situation. And obviously the outcome uh, we're all hoping doesn't become the same thing. Um, but the idea that you can go out on a football field or a football practice field or a game field. And, you know, certainly leaving on a stretcher is something that we're all unfortunately accustomed to, but um, going on a, going on a practice field or going on a game field and dying um, as Corey Stringer eventually did. And as DeMar Hamlin did before he was resuscitated um, is something that I think, another generation of people and players and coaches and fans and media members are finding out is a real thing. And I remember um, reporting the 20th anniversary of Stringer's death last summer and talking to Matt Burke, who was the center on that team and obviously one of his teammates and friends. And he remembered saying at the time that, you know, whenever, no matter how hot a day was of football practice, whether he was in high school or college or pros or, how hard it was or how much he wished he were somewhere else. Like no matter how hard it was, uh, you know, he would always tell himself, well, at least it's not going to kill me. And then when Corey Stringer died, he was like, wow, you really can die from this. Um, and I, 
know it probably sounds dramatic, and I know there haven't been a lot of examples of it, of death or even near death in an actual practice or game, but it can happen. And that is kind of just, it's something that never really escaped me after covering Corey Stringer. And it was something that just kind of bubbled back up to the surface this week. And, um, you know, my, you know, however I feel about it is very small consequence, but it was, I think I, from what I can see, it is settling in for a lot of other people as well. And to me, like, that's like the big takeaway from all of this is just how, you know, far the implications and consequences of playing football can be. And I also think that even as scary as it was, it became more so when we didn't get immediate updates where we saw the scene and the Mm -hmm. guys go back into the locker room. And I think at least for myself, what I was hoping was 20 minutes later, Joe Buck would come on and he'd say, folks, he's doing fine and it's back to normal and uh, the two teams have gotten good news and they're ready to play the rest of this game. I mean, just because we've seen this happen so many times where someone leaves on a stretcher, you hear, well, they've got full movement in all their extremities and they're okay and we're playing ball again. Um, You know, that didn't happen. And then it just sort of went on and on and on with no update. And Harrison Phillips talked about that where he was – kind of staying up all night, texting everybody he knew, trying to get any information that he possibly could about his former teammate, but not getting anything back, I think really hit the hardest. And here we are a couple days later, and it's been small progress, but he's still in critical condition. So this just lingers over the entire NFL. And I know it's like not of big consequence, like in the bigger picture of life, but like this week is set to be a huge week as far as, who's making the playoffs and and teams have to take the field and prepare under these circumstances. And I know it's not a question. We got an opportunity to ask about people's opinions of whether they should be playing or not this week. But uh, the way I looked at it is uh, that players maybe need to have that discussion with the NFL PA. And is it a possibility just like even looking at the faces of the two men that we just spoke with, uh, it's, you could see it in their eyes that like it's it's not there um, for those guys with the focus and the, the Vikings are playing a mostly meaningless game, but that's not the case for a lot of the league this week. Yeah, and and the lack of of information, while understandable, because it's you know the family has requested privacy. Um, maybe the true cause of what happened and the details of what happened are common knowledge behind the scenes amongst players and coaches. And I know Harrison Phillips you know, alluded to knowing some things, which you would understand that he would based on having played in Buffalo for the past four years. He has a lot of uh, people he knows there that he's been chatting with, but basically all of these guys have to go on the field and do exactly what DeMar Hamlin was doing, you know, play football, make a tackle, um, you know, go on, go to the ground, get up. And, um, you know, maybe it'll, you know, maybe it'll, will come out that some, extremely rare and unlikely series of events caused this or something that doesn't, you know, you wouldn't project will ever happen again in a hundred years, or he had some kind of, um, you know, we all almost want him to have had some kind of like uh, pre-existing condition that would have, you know, made it, it doesn't apply to all the other players. Um, but they don't, I don't know that anybody really knows that yet. Uh, well, they might have some ideas and that to me, like I can't 
you know, I'm not going to put myself in their shoes, but if it were me, I would be at least thinking about that, that like, what, you know, what happened and am I as safe as I thought I was, or am I less safe or, um, do I need to do more things to protect myself? Should I go get a heart checkup? I, you know, I don't know. Like that, those are in the absence of information and knowledge, I would imagine that's the kind of thing that those guys will be thinking about. Um, you know, I, we tried to, we asked, you know, Patrick Jones and, and Harrison Phillips, like how, just how they're doing and Kevin O'Connell as well. And I, and Kevin O'Connell said, you know, we're all just kind of processing. And I think that's probably the right word. Um, everybody does it differently and, you know, takes it to different levels, but like this wasn't like something that happened uh, outside of football. This was in the very, you know, football is, is blocking and tackling. Uh, Demar Hamlin made a tackle and, and he's in the ICU still. And so that, you know, to me is part of uh, this week. And, you know, it's only Wednesday. It's the first day that guys are back. Um, we've seen other situations, not like this, but other situations that had a level of seriousness kind of start to fade from the consciousness as, um, time goes on and we'll see if that's the case with this or not, but it's a very, it's, it's almost completely unique and unprecedented in NFL history to have had a player need to be revived on the field. And, um, I would imagine that, that the processing of that is very complex. Yeah. I mean, it's so such a fundamental thing of NFL players that they block things out that, you know, they don't worry about distractions or things that are going on in their personal lives or whatever else. But with this, it's impossible to block it out. I mean, in part, because everywhere you look, every refresh of social media has something about it. Every TV station has something about it. Plus every locker room is talking about it. And even if they're not discussing it openly, they're all feeling it. And I think that that, you know, trying to put myself in their shoes, which is almost impossible with a sport like this, but I can really see it. Um, When it's a freak thing, which has happened for serious injuries before somebody gets twisted up, somebody falls in a very strange way, something that almost never happens. Right. Then you could say like, well, that's just, that's just a bad break. But this one, it's a regular tackle. And I think that if I were in their shoes, that would be the hard thing to move past in going out to the field and play again right away is that it was a regular tackle. It's the same tackle that I'm going to make on a wide receiver coming across the middle or, or whatever, exactly the same that he did. And even if it, if what happened is what most doctors seem to think happened, which is not confirmed yet, which is just taking a hit to the chest, similar to a baseball or lacrosse ball. Every once in a while, this happens and it throws off the rhythm of the heart. If that is what happened, it's unbelievably unlikely but that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like you can't just tell somebody like, well, look, I mean, it doesn't happen that often. So, I mean, that doesn't make it feel any better for these guys. No. And I know Ryan Clark uh, from ESPN, I think he either said this or, or tweeted it um, that the, the, the first snap of the first game on Saturday, this game is this week is scheduled to have two Saturday games is going to be the most terrifying snap of football he's ever watched. Um, and not because it's, what happened to DeMar Hamlin is now more likely to happen to anybody else, but because it did happen, something incredibly unlikely and the condition you're referring to, if that turns out to be the case, uh, our TJ Quinn had a story about it today that um, NIH says it happens less than 30 times a year in this country. So of a, of 300 and however, 
15 million people. And so incredibly rare, incredibly, um, uh, you know, unlikely timing for it to happen. But at, you know, the last, the last snap of football that we saw was that. And then the first snap, the next snap we see will be on Saturday and, and I'll be among those who, who feel the same way Ryan Clark feels. And, you know, and I can only imagine what the players and coaches will be thinking as well. Now you have covered the ins and outs of refereeing and sort of the NFL operations for many years. Uh, I guess I'd like your opinion about how the whole thing was handled because I saw Albert Breer um, tweeting about this today. And I think that if it was normal protocol to have the guys start to warm up and then sort of everybody got together and said, that's not a good idea. Let's just take them back to the locker room. And the coaches said, I can't coach right now. My guys can't play right now. Then I, I don't think that they, that they blew that like to, I mean, if that's normal protocol in a situation that is not normal and then they made a quick adjustment and I don't think anything wrong was done there, but you could tell me your opinion on it. I also think that, the way that they handled it to get people out there right away to diagnose a situation that literally never has ever happened before, but diagnose it as quick as they did and be able to resuscitate him and get him in an ambulance and get him to a trauma center. Just unbelievable work by everyone. Like they put those things in case in place for the absolute worst case scenario and it all worked. Yeah. Um, I personally, I'm, I'm, very much willing and want to give grace to whatever, whoever was trying to act in the moment, um, the moments after this happened and trying to decide, you know, what to do with the, not only the teams, but um, the, the 60 plus thousand people in the, in the stands, you know, want everyone to leave right away. And then the ambulance can't get out of that. You know, like just, you think about all those kind of things. And so um, while we, there have been many instances of having an ambulance on a field, I think just the visuals made it pretty clear this was not a typical ambulance on the field situation. So, you know, I, I'm kind of sad that it's devolved into this big debate about whether the big bad NFL was really wanted to keep playing, but were only uh, saved by cooler heads or calmer heads on the field. And I don't, you know, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And and the big picture is that they didn't play and that they did let those guys go back to the locker room. And once they got there, they all knew there's no way we're going to play. And so they got to the right spot. And and I wish that that whole back and forth between everybody was not was not going on. Um, but in terms of the medical thing, like this has been something I've covered a lot too, more in relation to concussions, because that's been sort of the frontline health and safety issue. But um, over, I'd say, the past 10 years or so, the NFL has built up this pretty crazy infrastructure of um, of healthcare providers, uh, not only in practices, but at games. I mean, they don't just have doctors. They have pulmonary breathing specialists. You know, they don't just have a regular ambulance. They have the kind of ambulance, or the ambulance and the type of paramedics who are stocked for a trauma one type thing, which I don't even know necessarily there was a difference between the how an ambulance would be stocked or what type of classification it would have and all that. Um, and that they rehearse uh, disaster scenarios, health, whether it's health or security or um, anything in between uh, you know, multiple times a year. Um, you know, they have, you know, I know from concussion standpoints, they have, yeah, there's like five uh, neuro, you know, 
type, you know, neurosurgeons, brain, you know, doctors, some affiliated with a team and some not scattered through the stadium. I mean, it, and, and it's not perfect and they make mistakes and you wish that some of the things that happened even this year hadn't happened. But again, you know, one thing I've just been thinking a lot about this week is like none of that existed when Corey Stringer started showing signs of heat stroke in, in, a, in training camp in 2001. Um, his death actually started really, I said, you know, this infrastructure is built up over the past 10 years, but the idea of, of uh, building out their preparedness um, really began there and through the lawsuits that um, his wife uh, filed um, even the very next summer, there was all kinds of extra stuff to cool people down and um, have cold tubs within reach of the field and, places for them to get in the shade and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, the NFL has in its history has done enough, did enough things to not necessarily warrant our um, complete and total faith and benefit of the doubt. Um, but when you compare what they do now compared to what it was even, and I'm not that old, but even when I first started, covering the NFL, it's night and day. Like there is just so much more dedicated to it. Um, I know some people think it's all window dressing and that they have nice little social media graphics to explain it. And that's not a coincidence, but whatever the motivation is and whatever the promotion they do of it is, it is not even in the same world as what NFL players used to be subjected to. And so had what happened to DeMar Hamlin happened, uh, you know, in a 20 years ago, um, we might be talking about a different outcome. Folks, if your New Year's resolution was to treat yourself a little bit better, I've got a suggestion. Death. That is liquid death, actually, because it's a delicious mountain water that comes in a tall boy can. And I am telling you, it just tastes different. It's ice cold and much better than water that tastes like a plastic bottle. In fact, Liquid Death hated plastic bottles so much that was what inspired their name. They also give a portion of profits to end plastic because cans are so much easier to recycle. So if you want to give it a try, nudge along that New Year's resolution, maybe put the soda aside and give Liquid Death a try. Go to Hy-Vee, Target, Whole Foods, wherever you get your groceries, or go to liquiddeath.com insider. That is liquiddeath.com insider and find out where you can get Liquid Death today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah. I mean, I was uh, just blown away by the efforts of everyone. And it's always going to stick in my mind because we see so many injuries when just for an example, like when Brian O'Neill went down, I texted someone like, I think he just hurt his Achilles because we yeah. see so many and yeah. it was right. Yeah. It's just like, we see this all the time. Dr. Collar. Right. Well, I, you know, I've joked that I could be a, you know, a spotter for what all the injuries, yeah. because we've just seen ACLs, yeah. ankles, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. But when they were acting differently around him, because normally the trainers go out a certain way and then it sort of happens with a certain rhythm. But when people are going running and someone's getting on a walkie talkie and everything is like, what is, what is going on? I've never seen anything like this. And then, you know, that whole scene, but it is incredible to me how quick they were able to react and how effectively. So I don't, like you said, I don't care about debating if the NFL did X, Y, or Z, what they had at the bottom line was enough in place to leave that stadium with him alive. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. is an amazing accomplishment, I think for them to, and just incredible execution by all the people in Cincinnati to be able to react that way, because I'm sure they never expect it. I bet they show up to every game like, well, you know, we're probably here for nothing and then they go home and then, but not that day. So yeah. uh, it's uh, in multiple shows now, it's been difficult to transition away from this because it's the thing on every single person's mind. I'm assuming the NFL is not going to move the week back. I'm assuming they're not going to reschedule anything um, except for whatever they end up doing with that Bills and Bengals game. So we have a game to cover. And, you know, after I booked the flight and booked the hotel in Chicago. Then they announced Nathan Peterman is starting yeah. for the Chicago Bears. Um, I, I don't know what your opinion has been on the Vikings playing starters in this game. It feels to me like they would be a vastly better team than Chicago, even with Nick Mullins at quarterback and whatever other backups they wanted to play. But it seems like on multiple occasions, Kevin O'Connell has said we have a lot to play for. And then he said today that they want to get the taste out of their mouth from what happened yeah. in Green Bay. I think it's playing with fire a little bit, especially after what happened with Brian O'Neill. But uh, what is your opinion on the decision to play starters in uh, Chicago? I mean, it's it's complicated, but I also I do think that that if for some reason and it's a low chance that the 49ers lose to Arizona and the Vikings are not able to beat the bears because that, you know, and they didn't try their best, whether it was by benching starters or taking them out at halftime or some combination of that, then they'd be kicking themselves because I do think that the number two seed versus the three seed could make a difference. You know, it'll certainly make a difference between the potential of two playoff games at home versus one. Um, and maybe, and maybe more if, if the Eagles were to get knocked out before that. So I don't think that's a small thing. Uh, the way this team has played and the way uh, we just saw them play on grass in Lambeau and, and the way we know they play at U S bank stadium. Um, so I, you know, and, and it sure doesn't seem like O'Connell's given it even really serious thought. You know, I think I asked him pretty directly the other day, you know, would you, would you consider benching the quarterback? Would you consider benching Justin Jefferson? Just saying, we'll see you in the playoffs. You've done all you can do. Um, and he said, no, it'll be more subtle than that if they do anything. And so, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if about taste in your mouth or like, like I don't buy into that stuff. I don't buy into like going into the playoffs, you know, like trying to manufacture a positive moment. You're either feeling good about where you're at or you're not. And I don't know that like how you perform against Nathan Peterman and the bears or even Justin Fields and the bears, the bears are 
in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft. And they and they very much want it. You know, they like they're gonna do what they have to do probably to get it. Um, so I don't know that like going in there and beating them up or just beating them um, is if that really changes your mindset going into the playoffs, then your mindset's pretty shaky. You know, you should, they, they've had a really good season. You know, they have a lot to be proud of. They've had some stinkers. Um, one of them happened to be last week, but if they need to go, like I'd be more worried if they truly felt they needed to go to Chicago um, and have a great game against them in order to have a good chance to win some playoff games. Um, than if they, you know, just if, then if they bench their, their starters. So, you know, we'll see, you know, what, you know, the, the grass there is not always great either. Um, there's, you know, I don't know that the injury rate is necessarily higher there, but it's not a perfect surface by any stretch. And so we'll see um, what happens, but I, I certainly don't love the idea of feeling like they need to like go in on a high note because I don't know that that that's just a manufactured high note. If so. Yeah, in a way, it could be worse if you somehow lose to Nathan Peterman or something, yeah. or give up. Uh, well, then you're I've definitely already... not gonna gonna win a playoff game if you if in week if week eighteen you lose to Nathan Peterman. You know, you're probably not gonna win much in the playoffs either. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he still walked out of there with like a decent quarterback rating considering yeah. how they played this year. But Chicago is just the worst at everything. I mean, they have the worst offensive line, worst receivers, worst defense across the board. I mean, it is a team that they should pretty easily take care of. And the only reason that they've been halfway competitive in a lot of games is that their quarterback is having the most prolific running quarterback season maybe in yeah. NFL history outside yeah. of Lamar Jackson. And he just passed Michael Vick. So like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's been keeping them around. And now it's going to be Nathan Peterman, who I'm guessing is not going to be as prolific. So maybe they can move themselves up from 31st to like 28th in defense, or maybe they can get that point differential on the positive side to end the season, seeing as only one team has ever made the Super Bowl uh, with a negative point differential. But you know what doesn't help is the Brian O'Neill situation. And also there is a real lack of um, commitment to the Garrett Bradbury thing when Kevin O'Connell says it. I mean, he's kind of like, we think he's going to be we hope he's going to be, we want him to be, but you know, there's this like questioning. Uh, he doesn't want to say, yeah, he's going to be back for the playoffs. Blake Brandle will. So maybe he'll be the right tackle. And instead of Oli Udo, who I think they don't like at all. And yeah. uh, looking at his numbers from when he played tackle last year, totally deserved, honestly, mm-hmm. but Blake Brandle also allowed seven sacks when he was in for Christian Derrissaw. You know, if there was like a selection of players you couldn't lose into an injury and and it's an Achilles for Brian O'Neill, so there's no chance he's coming back. I mean, I would have put Brian O'Neill probably like in the top five or seven of all the players they could not lose going into the playoffs. This one makes their road, in my mind, so much harder because that was one thing you always had was like, well, at least, you know, that edge rushers are not going to demolish this team. It's always going to be the one thing with the interior pressure. But now if it's the Giants and it's Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolare, like guys who are really good at rushing off the edge, I mean, this is a major problem for them that I don't think you could just paint over. No, um, I would argue, though, while I don't want to diminish the the importance of, of, of Brian O'Neill or how well he's played um, really over the past few years, uh, there are some things you can do to help a tackle. What worries me is the fact that they don't have a center, um, period. You know, like Chris Reed's a guard. You know, he he played center last week. 
he did not look like it is a very natural position to him um, as far as snapping the ball and remembering to snap the ball and, you know, keeping, you know, his uh, head in the count and all those sort of things. And we know Austin Schlobin's not going to, you know, he needs surgery on his leg. Um, I agree with you that the the Bradbury thing, the most they can say is they would like to see him have a real practice so they can see if he'll be able to help them in a game. And so like that feels very far off. Um, If I had to choose between, you know, having Ole Udo at, at right tackle and Chris Reed at center in week one of the playoffs, I think I would take Ole Udo. Um, and that is a, you know, to me means that the, the, the center position is, is, I mean, that that's, you know, obviously they're not going to like be saying a lot publicly about how worried they are, but like, how could you feel good about that? And it's nobody's fault. You know, they've lost two starters. I mean, they had depth. They just, both of them have gotten hurt. Um, not, not many teams have a, a third center ready to jump in and, and play great football. And so it's, uh, it's and it's not a shot at Chris Reed. It's just like that's just a really for a team that's been pretty healthy. That's like a really crippling turn of events. And if they make a long playoff run with Chris Reed at center, I'll think that's one of the most amazing things I've seen um, this year. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. Because you, I should say uh, make a long run with him at center playing well. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if he's able to play overwhelmingly well but the thing yeah. with the difference with the center and the tackle is at least you know Oli Udo he might get beat if you even if you get f- beat five times on 60 plays like that gets you a horrible PFF grade but yeah. it's five plays and if you survive them okay and maybe he can get away with some athleticism just making a, a enough out of that you can't just do that with center center every single play it's 70 out of 70 plays that are being mm-hmm. impacted by that center it's mm-hmm. every protection assignment it's it's just it's absolutely everything um by the way there's a rule on the show that if your dog barks in the background you have to make a dog pun so <laughs> think on your feet here for well, that i i did i closed the door i'm on a different floor i don't know what else to do for this uh the, do- the dogs are all locked up in houses it's too too cold and snowy outside right now well, it's totally fine on the show. It's just that that's the rule. You have to. It's a true dog, dog day. Let me put it that. Oh, no, there you go. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, so before I let you go, Kevin, really appreciate all of your time. Uh, with this team's outlook for the playoffs, uh, what's on your mind? I mean, it seems like it's going to be the Giants. It's not guaranteed. It's going to be the Giants. Best matchups, worst matchups, odds that they go deep. Take it wherever you want. I think if they play the Giants, which it sure looks like they will, I think they, I mean, they've beaten them once, and and the, I don't, you know, the, the Giants got some offensive yards, so I guess that should worry me. But if you're worried about Daniel Jones coming to your stadium and beating you in the playoffs, then you're not very confident. So, like, I, I think that's might be the best matchup they could have. I don't want Tom Brady coming here. I'm just not that that's a first round possibility, but you just go through the list and you focus on quarterbacks. Like I don't want Tom Brady coming here. I don't want Aaron Rodgers coming here. I don't think I would want to play the 49ers, but Brock Purdy or not. And so like, that seems like the most favorable first round, you know, matchup that, that they could have. Um, uh, and yeah, that, and that puts you into the second round. And if they happen to get the number two seed, then that means it could be at home. And, um, so I think they I, like I would go into the playoffs thinking they have a real good chance to to win the first one, and if 
And based on what we thought about this team entering the year and, and with a new coach and general manager and uh, no idea how the quarterback would respond in that situation and, and everything else. Like I think, you know, winning 12 or 13 games and winning a playoff game, I, I would, anything else after that is, is gravy. And even before that, I think is gravy. I would, I think I can, I think we can already say that they've had a great year and like overperformed um, whether it's based on analytical models or just our own subjective um our own subjective uh, judgment, they have had a much better year than I think they were um, structured to have and they should feel good about it and be proud about it. And we'll see how far it goes. But even if it ends in the, in the wild card round, I think um, that's probably the furthest anybody would have reasonably expected in the first place. I think I'm going to have to wait to see what happens before I know how I feel about it. I mean, (laughs) outcome based judgment. Yeah, well, because it's such a – I think, like, I'm not ready for the discussion of okay. what it would mean. Because if, let's say, they beat the Bears by 14 and they finish the season with the negative point differential and then they lose in the wild card round, I'm going to have a really tough time saying, like, well, you know, like, I, I don't know. that To me, that would be like a gargantuan disappointment after winning as many games as they had in the regular season. Right. I I couldn't, I don't think I could look at it like, Oh, well, that went pretty well. Uh, That would open the door to the whole, like, well, I guess you did just kind of pull off some lucky stuff. And how could you argue otherwise if you can't beat Daniel Jones in the playoffs? Right. So that one's going to be, that one's going to be tricky for me, I think. And we're going to have to see how it looks like, does it end on, you know, on a fumble or something that's mm-hmm. random and lucky and goes the other team's way? Or yeah. do you get blown out by Isaiah Hodgins? Like then, you know what I mean? That's that's tough. Um, what did, by the way, do you think that Green Bay found anything with Jefferson or do you think it was just him being on skates and bad situation and uh, Jair Alexander's amazing? Plus maybe Kirk missed some open chances or like, do you think that the giants or whoever they face is going to see something that they can use? Uh, no, like I, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not the greatest X and O's mind in history by any stretch, but I don't think they invented anything new to stop them. I think, you know, if you were to say just Jair Alexander, you cover him one-on-one the whole time. I don't think that would have worked out so well, but they didn't do that. They had one of the league's top, you know, top five to eight cornerbacks, um, as part of the double team that he was facing. And that definitely is, you know, a unique um, approach that they were able to take because of their personnel. Um, I do think he was on skates early. I do think that um, for whatever reason, when the wheels start falling off for this team, except in the Colts game, they fall off all four at the same time, roll into the ditch and leave them, uh, on studs in the uh, in the middle of the road and just with people just flying past them um, is the image that I keep having. And so um, I think that all went into it. If I, I was, I didn't think that they would be able to have that good of a approach to him um, heading in, but, and I was surprised and admitted that, but um, I, I guess I would, I don't see anything particularly schematically unusual to suggest that they found that, you know, the recipe or the formula for stopping him, unless another team has a guy that's as good as Jerry Alexander and um, can do the same things. And it's the same surface and the same sort of set of circumstances around him. Yeah. I think, um, well, first, uh, like you, I had said the day before the game on the show, like, I don't think there's any way to really stop him, And I think that, Green Bay shouldn't be favored in this game, really. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, 
Bunch of Nostradamuses over here. Yeah, we're all wrong trying to predict sports a lot yeah. of times, which is what makes it fun. So anyway, um, but I do think I do think that there was one small thing is that when he got frustrated, he got very frustrated. Yeah. And if you're if you're an opposing corner, you're like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to get him to do that again? Mm-hmm. And usually it's only when he doesn't get the ball, but still, like that's if there's one small thing that you could take away, that's probably it. Also, if a team says we're going to go man-to-man with Osborne, Thielen, Hawkinson, Cook, anybody else, Jalen Naylor, whoever else they put on the field, and we're going to put everything into Jefferson, I mean, they're going to have a chance because I feel yeah. like I, I feel like they those guys just can't beat anybody one-on-one this year, and uh, that's that's become a real problem. Yeah, and there's there's been – I did – I looked at a lot of Hawkinson stuff um, two weeks ago, and – you know, most he's, I mean, certainly been productive, but a lot of it's been underneath in the underneath area that, you know, when Jefferson takes those people away, there's been almost no yards after catch. Um, the contested catches for him have not been great. Um, you know, the, we, the, I know there's a lot of discussion about feeling and separation. You know, I have, you know, he's, whether he once was able to run away from people or not, there's still a big area and room for him to succeed if he, can win the battle for contested catches. And that's kind of the part of the career of his career he's in. And we've seen sort of a mixed bag there. And so um, like, if I were, if I were to say like, if it was that situation, like you'd say, okay, Adam Thielen, we need you to outmuscle the defender, use your, use your ball skills, use your body. He's not a small guy. Um, Shield it in a way, you know, and, and, and make those catches more often than not, but you're right. It's not as if, it's a pick your poison situation right now where if you double up on Justin Jefferson, you're going to have guys running open all over the place either. Well, it will be interesting, but this week will not be interesting nah. really at all. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, Chicago, it's a place to visit in January. Sure. If you want, <laughs> I'll do it. I'm going to do it. We'll be there. So, uh, Kevin, I, I know that we haven't had you on the show in, in a bit, but I want to say it's been great to have you on the beat, be able to mm-hmm. work around you every day. Uh, I've always really, really respected and appreciated your work. So getting to work with you on a regular basis in a pseudo way, we're sort of all teammates in there. So uh, yeah. I appreciate you. And, and thanks so much for, for giving the time here. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I've enjoyed uh, being back in a, in a media room and listening to the uh, frivolity that ensues on a daily basis and uh, looking forward to next year already yeah we're gonna keep all that internal but uh we will (laughs) we we will talk to you all next time thanks for listening folks just wanted to offer a quick reminder here that we do another podcast called hot routes which is spelled with a z r-o-u-t-e-z It's a weekly show where we talk about all of the NFL through the lens of five questions with myself and Jonathan Harrison. So just want to give you a little sample. And if you want to go pick it up, we do it every Tuesday. usually comes out Tuesday night or Wednesday early morning. Um, So here's our conversation about three teams battling for one playoff spot. And again, that is the Hot Routes podcast once a week covering the entire NFL. Thanks for listening. Last one, Jonathan, the Packers, Lions, and Seahawks are all playing for one spot in the postseason. If Green Bay wins, they're in, regardless. If Green Bay loses and the Seahawks win, they are in. If the Seahawks lose and the Lions win, Detroit 
gets that final playoff spot. I want you to rank them by how dangerous they are in the postseason and by overall franchise coolness. Who's the coolest team in the playoffs out of those three? The coolest team in the playoffs out of those three has to be, I would think, the Lions because they have this upstart team. They have kind of the good feeling around them. They have a fun, a very fun offense to watch when it's clicking. I think right behind them, based on a very different factors, I think would be the Seahawks over the Packers just because of the color scheme. I can't stand the green and gold of Green Bay. It's not a good color scheme. Yes, they have the history of being, yes, Green Bay has the history of being one of the historic franchises in this league and they have Lambeau and all this, but you have seen in the past getting free agents there is a bit difficult because you're playing out in the cold most of the time. People would rather probably play in Seattle where it's kind of a cooler city. You got more of a metropolitan feel around it and you've got an awesome stadium that they have in Seattle. It's just big. It's loud. It's fun to be there. You have Marshawn Lynch kind of hanging around all the time there because of the legendary status he built up there. I think, I think the Seahawks would go over the Packers in coolness factor, but if you're talking dangerous teams, it's going to be the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers, As we talked about, uh, in the second question uh, with Tom Brady, if he if either one of those guys gets going in the playoffs, watch out. And right now, Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson are on kind of a heater and you do not want to be in their way. As the Vikings found out this last week, it is a dangerous uh, situation going up against Aaron Rodgers. I think they are the most dangerous. I think the Lions would be second and the Seahawks a very distant third among dangerous teams out of those three. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. As far as coolness factor, I love the Geno Smith story, and I might put Seattle there. Uh, also, I mean, Russell Wilson did so much for them, but Pete mm-hmm. Carroll sort of having his moment of like, <laughs> hey, all you people who told me I was coaching wrong for all those years, nah, no, I wasn't. Uh, that's sort of been funny to see him have his moment in that way of being questioned a lot over the last few years about whether they should throw more and let Russ cook and all that stuff. And then to have a great passing game with Geno Smith, all of a sudden has been something. And I think what we see is circumstance and wide receivers make a huge difference. And that's, you know, Seattle and Detroit, the thing that makes them less dangerous is their defenses. Green Bay's defense is far from perfect, but I think the other two teams defenses are horrible. And I don't know how far you can really go with a horrible defense. I mean, Detroit at some point just gives up 40 points if they were trying to go through the playoffs and and lose, right? And with Seattle, I think it's the same thing where another team would just be able to at some point command the game on the ground as we saw a lot of teams do against them and not be able to match. And then eventually Geno Smith sort of turns into a pumpkin. But for coolness factor, although I don't know about fluorescent jerseys and where I stand on those as far as cool. Uh, I consider myself to be a modern gentleman, but I don't know how I feel about uniforms that burn my retinas. So I I love those lime green ones. I don't care. I would love to see though. I would love to see the city of Detroit. Now they, they don't have the home playoff game. Obviously they'd have to go on the road wherever, Mm -hmm. but the city of Detroit deserves this it's actually been a rough few years with them the tigers are awful the detroit red wings are terrible the pistons might be the worst team in the league i mean they've had it a little bit rough in their sports uh in recent years but especially with that lions team the fact that they still have any fans left is astonishing 
Um, so if they made it coolness factor, they get the like Seattle's been in the playoffs just a couple of years ago. Green Bay has been there many times. They've had all sorts of chances and blown every one of them. Dangerous is a different discussion and it's a hard one because when you look at it statistically on offense, which is the most predictive factor, you would say number one most dangerous is Detroit and number two is Seattle. And then number three, kind of off in the distance is the Packers who don't have as good of an offense. But in recent weeks, all of the sudden, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's kind of getting rolling. And the other thing, too, is their running game against the Vikings and at other times has been pretty darn good. And Aaron Jones is a legit star. And the fact that they do have a competent defense with some star players, got a healthy defense. Jair Alexander just played great against Justin Jefferson and so forth. That's a hard discussion. But at the same time, like, would you want to guard DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? in a playoff game. I don't, I think all these teams are kind of dangerous for whoever gets in and has to play, you know, the number two seed. So, you know, that'll be interesting. But I think if I had to pick, I think I would go Detroit being dangerous because that offense is so good. And I think that uh, eventually Rogers, even though they've had good games lately, they haven't been amazing offensively in a lot of these games. I mean, they had to get three turnovers, four turnovers actually against the Vikings to put up 41. Um, So their defense turning the ball over, that's kind of a finicky thing that goes up and down. I think I'll go Detroit with a slight edge, Um, but you know, Hey, they've got to go to Lambeau and try to win a game um, to go to the playoffs. So that won't be easy for them. So uh, if the NFL does indeed play, which, you know, Nate in the comments said that he'd prefer to see the game stop this week. And I I totally feel you on that. Um, I think as, football fans everyone wants to see them get back out there in a way to remind us this game could be played safely because man the last thing that we saw the last football play we saw was terrifying and then Mm -hmm. of course like there's no bowl games there's no there's like no other football being played it's just the last thing every one of us saw is the scariest thing we've ever seen and so there's a lot of me that just wants to see a football play happen again and sort of to just get everybody back playing the game and and reminded that it isn't a horror festival as it was uh, the other day being one of the most terrifying things that has ever happened on a football field. Um, So of course we want that to happen, but also we should be understanding of how everyone is feeling going into this game. And if you have an entire 32 buildings that are distracted, that are sad, that are dealing with something that is just kind of bigger than your usual injury. So much bigger. Um, I would understand it if they did. So we'll, we'll find out uh, probably in the coming days, what they decide to do. So great stuff, Jonathan. Great to get together with you again, as always for hot routes. And uh, if you're watching us for the first time, we do this every week. So make sure you either check in here on YouTube or you subscribe to the podcast feed. It is spelled with a Z as you can see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube uh, or if you're finding us for the first time. So thanks so much, and we will talk to you all again soon.